Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I'm joined by John. Hey, what's going on guys? And we got Kevin. Hey, howdy, hey. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about Top Gun, How to Train Your Dragon. We have new Star Wars, new Star Trek, and we're reviewing Echo. But first, let's get into that Geekbox question. This one, which Hogwarts house do you belong to? Now, we've had this question in the past already. It's a recycle through the cards. So everybody knows that I'm Hufflepuff. And Squeaks was the other one. And of course, Squeaks went into in-depth about Slytherin and how they're actually good guys. And my God. But let's hit you guys up. Uh, have you done any tests? Or is there a favorite house of yours that you guys think you belong to? Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, I don't really know anything about the houses. I would just, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I haven't really looked into them a whole lot. I barely watched the movies. I'm not the person that read all the books. Uh, but mm -hmm. it did take take the test and it said I'm a Ravenclaw. So I'm like, I don't know, that's cool, I guess. It, I think They're it sounds like better the than a Hufflepuff. Scholarly ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm Hufflepuff, so watch watch, yeah. watch your tone. Yeah, it sounds like softies. <laughs> Hufflepuffs are the people that are like welcoming to everybody. And yeah. they're all about like um acceptance and hard work, which I'll tell yeah. I'll do the acceptance side, I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think you guys are like the intellectuals and like cunning and stuff like that. I like what it. about I, what about you, Kevin? Yeah, Shit, I don't think I belong in any one of these houses. They all sound too in depth. <laughs> like training you just to get, be the groundskeeper, <laughs> right? Yeah, like you just get pigeonholed into something. It's like, ah, yeah. I, I mean, I I like the idea of uh, being like with Gryffindor. You know, you're the 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 proud, powerful, like heroic. But you know, you don't want to be that every day of the week. Some days exactly. you just want to chill out and be a Hufflepuff. Some days you want to get your Ravenclaw on. You know. Slytherin, you know, you're having a nasty day, just be a nasty mm. person for a day. It's, In it's traffic, okay. I'm a Slytherin, yeah. yeah mm. I, I think I'd be a floater. I think that's, it sounds like it's a cop-out answer <laughs> from somebody who didn't watch the movies, but I, I think I'd stick with it. I can't be one thing for, for too long. No, you can't pin me down. I don't like labels, man. So you go Ravenclaw and you learn there's that transmutation where you can change what things look like so you can play four different uh, people in the school and you just impersonate whichever one you want to be that day. Man, I'm still enjoying my life on Talos 4. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's amazing how much like the fandom goes deep on which house you are. And it really does kind of it reminds you of like astrology, like astrology is bullshit. But if you read your your sign and then all of a sudden you're like, I do have a good personality and would make a great leader. Like, yeah, no, duh. What a coincidence. Yeah. I think my third favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It is now. I, I, I think you could pretty much, like, I always thought, like, instead of doing houses, you could also do, like, which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle am I? Of course I'd like to be a Mikey, you know? And then uh, Squeaks is very much a Raph. I don't know if Jonathan, you could, he's probably Raphael. Yeah, But, you know, just yeah. hardcore and angry all the time. Or Power Rangers is the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think it's, you, it's whatever you feel like you want to be that day. And according to the test, yeah, I'm Hufflepuff, so. So <laughs> I ended it. Nice. At least you got the fun one. Yeah, and, and they're very bear-oriented, which works out quite well. So, nice. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into some of the news here. Top Gun 3 is in development, and I thought this wasn't going to happen because Tom Cruise just signed a multi-year deal with WB. Top Gun's a Paramount movie. Um, but, yeah, they're making it, and it sounds like it's going to be right after Mission Impossible. The last one did $1.5 billion. So, obviously, they're like, oh, let's just make another you know <laughs> jet plane movie why not i know you haven't had a chance to watch it Jonathan, did you watch any of the top guns 
I did not. So I put it on. I promise. I tried to watch the new one. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you don't have to watch the old one. Okay. So I put the new one on. I mean, I put it on like before going to bed, but sometimes I stay up till midnight watching something if it's really good. I did not. I fell asleep immediately. <laughs> like yeah. I couldn't tell you a second actor in the movie. I just know it was Tom Cruise was in there. Uh, so yeah, it was it was not easy to stay awake for. Say five so billion. One point five billion. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you said five yeah. billion. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. And I haven't talked yeah. to a single person that says it's boring or they didn't like it. Everybody I talk to say it's amazing. You have yep. to watch it. So same here. I got to try it again. I just maybe won't put it on when I'm going to bed because. Yeah, I couldn't stay awake for it. It's one I of those movies where everybody it's a, says it's good, but I just haven't had the will to watch it yet. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Squeaks had to hammer home for me to finally watch Avatar 2. And that's sci-fi. I mean, that, that one should have been pretty early for me. I definitely don't want to watch some mm-hmm. dude just like race around in planes and I don't know, wear leather jackets. I'm good. So, you know, I'm a little wishy-washy on it myself. I'm wondering if there's more like, cause like you're saying to me, it seems like fast and the furious in, in the sky. Yeah. I'm not looking for that, but I wonder if there's more of that, like uh drama, like, you know, the novella kind of story behind it, of, you know, a lot more depth to, you know, the characters and stuff like that, that we just don't see because the commercials are just selling all the fast planes. And whatnot. if there's it's one thing that I know about Tom Cruise movies is that he loves character depth. And I'm being very sarcastic. Uh, (laughs) what the guy knows he runs to his plane at some point that's for sure he's always running and everything he does Uh, his own crazy ass stunts and he always looks badass but yeah i don't i don't really really think his movies have an abundance of character progression totally fair i love every mission impossible i don't watch it because i'm like what's gonna happen to his character next you barely remember the name every time it's all about watching somebody like cock their hands while they're about to punch somebody you know it's it's all about that kind of cool stuff um I wonder if there are, there probably are, and they're probably listening right now, Top Gun bros that are so pissed listening to us. Be like, I can't believe these nerds haven't oh, yeah. watched this movie yet. So, There's got to be, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll add it to the, I'll add it to the challenge accepted list. They have things that we have to oh, watch. So. There you go. There we go. I'll have to eventually watch it. You know it. what? Just like we have the geek box questions, we should have a jar of challenge accepted. Maybe you already have something going like that, but where fans can suggest things and they go into that. And so every once in a while you just pull one at random and it would be, you know, a fan suggestion. That'd be kind of cool. We don't have that yet, but that's a good idea. Yeah, I just start building up like a jar of them. I like that idea. Yeah. That's a good one. The Last of Us, which season one was phenomenal, is uh, adding mm. a couple new cast members for season two. We have Caitlin Deaver's going to be playing Abby from the games, and Isabella Merced's going to be playing. Um, oh gosh, I don't have it here. She's playing Dina. I remember it's Dina um, for uh, in season two. So Abby's the. If correct me if I'm wrong, is the antagonist from the second game, and then Dina is the uh, love interest. And I know Caitlin's a hell of a good actress, and she's getting bigger and bigger. So is Isabella, but I know Caitlin better, and uh, I think this is a good sign for that show. As season one was so good, and it felt like a fresh take on, you know, quote unquote, the zombie genre. I liked it a lot. Jonathan, what do you think about them kind of trying to stick to the game and 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 build out this world a little bit more? Yeah, I like that because we've seen a lot recently that like video game writing the storytelling in a video game is so good and when they use that story and put it in a movie form so far it's been you know phenomenal Mm -hmm. Uh, though like meanwhile we see movies that aren't based on video games where the story is just super super stale you know it's just not not working out so the writers for video games a lot of them that we like anyways are very good very successful and you know i like that they're bringing in new kind of known but not very big actors 
into this. He gives them an opportunity to really, you know, nail it. And they don't have something previous that is, you know, uh, what do you call that? Like typecasting them or, or something that they're known for. You know, if you bring in Tom Hanks and, you know, put him in this, it's like, oh, well, the whole show is going to be about Tom Hanks. Like, you can't do that. It's got to be somebody who's kind of low, low on the radar. And this can be what elevates them to a whole slew of new roles. So I think it's good. I think it's a, a good choice. I think we're a little bit beyond typecasting in a way. Back in the day, Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill was always Mark Hamill until eventually his voice became Joker. But even yeah. then, like if you found out, you're like, what? Oh, you know, Luke Skywalker plays Joker. It was never Mark Hamill. <laughs> uh, but I think we're a little bit past it. Like for Bella Ramsey, who plays Ellie in the first season, mm-hmm. she before that, she was on Game of Thrones and I kind of felt like, oh, okay, she'll probably fall to the wayside. She was really popular in that show for a bit. But I mean, man, did we see her acting chops in the first season. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, I can't wait for her to see other roles. That's not so much that I want to see more of her playing Ellie. I can't wait to see her play a whole bunch of things now from that. But to be fair, her character in in The Last of Us is not far off from her character in Game of Thrones. It's a strong but very young, independent woman. You know, you you didn't expect to see her playing like in the Barbie movie or something like that. A very kind of preppy, you know, she plays a strong female, so... In that sense, yeah, she's already kind of locked into these two roles that now she's well known for. You haven't seen her in anything playing a very different character from that. So that's what I'm saying. It's good to bring in somebody who we don't really know well from other stuff or, a you know, very popular show or movie yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this can be a chance for them to shine and, and specifically for this role. Yeah, they've got to yeah. be doing something right with uh, over there at HBO because... Man, I, I work with people. I, I work in the ag industry. I work with people that don't know the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. And I've got guys at work trying to convince me I need to watch The Last of Us. So, yeah, whatever they did for casting in season one, continuing that method for season two, I, I, I'm all for it. I think it's it's hit the mainstream in a way that I wouldn't expect a video game adaptation to do. And I'm loving it, even though I haven't seen it. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going really to watch it, too. I'm jumping on that. Jota just did, too. You do have to watch it. <laughs> And one uh, of the things so I will say that's so refreshing and we're in 2024, which I 2026 and 2020, the, those election years, the country gets a little bit heated. Me and Thomas mm-hmm. were just talking about this. It's not like we're not not necessarily calling one side out or another, just like everybody's tensions a little bit higher. Right. And so it's hard to find something that we could just all enjoy. And yeah. the last of us really did a good job of kind of skating that line of where you're just like, it's just fun to watch these people survive a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> and so it would be really beautiful moments in it. It was, it was really worth your watch. It's good. Uh, actually, since we're talking about that, I do want to talk about another show that's also building up. We're going to go into our review. I know this is, we're kind of skipping around a little bit on the outline here, but let's talk about echo because I think that was another one where they're taking somebody unknown and moving them forward. Jonathan, you had a chance to watch echo. What was your first impression of this? Uh, you finished the whole thing. I know, but what did you think of it? Yeah, so I thought it was pretty good. Not amazing. There were certain things about it that were really good, but overall, you know, it it wasn't the best. Uh, I think I'd, in the grand scheme of things, give it like a 7 or 7.5 maybe. Um, but there was a lot of cool elements. And so, mm-hmm. like, I do like, obviously, the representation of not only, like, a, a person that's, you know, differently abled, but um, the indigenous culture. I don't remember which yeah, tribe. Choctaw Nation. Choctaw, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was pretty cool, but there's so much, uh, so much we see in it that, how do I say this? At first I was like, wow, that's kind of lame. But then once I realized what it was, I actually appreciate it for what it was. Uh, there, <laughs> I noticed some of it was too quiet. Like 
why isn't there anything going on? There's no background oh, music and stuff. <laughs> and like, <laughs> oh my God, no. John. But no, I like, I'm watching it and I'm reading their, their signing language in, you know, the subtitles and stuff. I'm like, I mean, this is cool, but there should be some kind of like action music going on or something like that. But then it's like, okay, no, no, no. This is to make you feel what she feels in the scenes. And later in yeah. the episodes, they did convey that a little better, I think, mm-hmm. because they would go from a kind of action scene or a conversation that's verbal to the quietness and the the sign. And you could see that transition. So it made it more evident. But early in the show, that wasn't so transparent that that's what they were going for. So it, I don't know, it's kind of odd that way. Uh, also, the opening scene, there's several scenes where they flash back to the like the indigenous tribe and their evolution or their their um, mythology of their origin or something like that. And uh, breaking out of the cave and things like that it was a little, there was just not enough like context. Like I didn't understand yeah. why Jarring. they were showing this. Yeah. It was like in too much length. If it was a little bit, it was just kind of confusing the way that was, uh, you know, back and forth so much, a little bit of explanation to that would help a lot. I think. I completely but, agree with you on yeah. that because first off, that's not her normal abilities is to be able mm-hmm. to like avatar herself and check out all her ancestors. Like that's not a normal thing for her. She mm-hmm. normally is like Taskmaster, where she could see somebody's abilities and mimic them, like their fighting styles. And I was yeah. kind of hoping for that just because I'm excited for that daredevil, street level, and mm-hmm. uh, this this very young actress. This is like her main first role, Aleko Cox. Like, she's killing it. She just, every time she's on camera, she's just still in every scene. And so I was excited mm-hmm. to see, like, let's see this develop this character more because we could have her in the future. And um, they, it was kind of like Shang-Chi. I liked how it was handled in Shang-Chi a little better. They felt like they had to MCU it up. Like, oh, we got to give this person more abilities so that they can fit in the rest of the MCU. And I don't mm-hmm. think Marvel needs to do that anymore. I think we just want good stories. Yeah. Especially like with the street level stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like Daredevil and Punisher, like all these like kind of grounded, you know, it's a different kind of hero. And yeah, they're not jumping into the fight with um, Thanos or, yeah. you know, they're not doing those things, but they're stopping, you know, the purse snap- snatcher and stuff like that, like smaller or mob bosses, you know, more grounded battles. But yeah, I, I agree with you that they didn't need to try to exaggerate the character's abilities. You know, that's already, you know, it's all about her being able to overcome her challenges and still be a hero. But then you add this like energy power avatar kind of thing, which yeah. I love avatar. But and as soon as I realized that's kind of what they were doing, it's like, oh, that's cool. This is just like after. But yeah, they don't need to add that to the character. I think it would have been good without it. Yeah. Outside of Alequa, some of the other acting, I just, I got to give a shout out to Vincent D'Onofrio. Somehow this man who really doesn't have any abilities holds his own against people. I want to see him up against Thanos. I want to see him up against Thor because I think he could just like talk them down. And Mm -hmm. uh, he really does steal every scene. And he was an actor who his most notable role when we were growing up, Jonathan, was the cockroach guy from Men in Black. And that was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so. It blows my mind that you say that because I did not by by the face. I didn't recognize it. But his voice. Yeah. I was like, oh, that sounds just like that guy from that movie from Men in Black. But I was like, oh, it's kind of kind of corny then that he's doing that little little hamming it up a little too much. It sounds like this guy that was wearing a fake skin. No, that is <laughs> that actor doing his tough guy voice or whatever. Yeah. I did not realize that was the same person. That's so funny. But then just like kind of Robert Downey Jr. as well, like like Marvel finds this guy who's a good actor who had a flash in the pan, was probably still working, but just not notably, gives him this role. And now it came out recently. I think it was Hollywood Reporter that was saying 
Marvel wants to make him the street level Thanos, the villain that all street level people will run into at some point or another. And eventually we'll have to team up to take down. We know with born mm-hmm. again, he's going to be mayor or running for mayor either way. And, um, I just love that. And I, it, I don't think if you didn't have Vincent D'Onofrio or an actor very much like him, I don't think that role would have landed as well as it does. Yeah. So now I'm thinking like we could do a full spinoff series just about him, right? It wouldn't. I mean, now that Marvel's paying attention with the fans, listen to a little bit better. I think that would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like how we've talked about like DC trying to do more villain based shows or movies where it's the villain's perspective. And, and I like how they kind of touched on that in this, where they were showing uh, the girl, I can't remember her name, the main character, Maya, they're mm-hmm. showing her, you know, being working for this mob boss and being, you know, pretty much a villain. And then it's still all her perspective and Daredevil jumps in and she fights him. And it's like, oh, that's great. Now she has to worry about this, you know, villain to her who's trying to stop yeah. her from, you know, uh, getting vengeance for her family or whatever. And it's like, well, no, but he, we see him as a hero normally. So I love that perspective. So if we could see a whole series or at least a movie about, you know, this guy coming up as a mob boss and, you know, feeling like sympathy for him, I think that'd be really good. I think it'd be pretty cool. Or Maya herself, who does not have that golden rule that we remember from Christopher Nolan Batman of I don't kill people. Maya's got a, yeah. a rap sheet of death, death behind her and will mm-hmm. not hesitate to do it again. There's a few times where she you know, was ready to pull that trigger. She has pulled the trigger on Kingpin himself, herself. And... Yeah. And then what what I do like again, let's talk about the Choctaw Nation and how this Oklahoma town was an actual was a character itself and the people of the Choctaw Nation were a character themselves. Mm-hmm. I think they handled it very well in a way that was like, check out this world. It is important to this character. Not only just I think the abilities weren't needed. I just think it, it informed who she is when she's out there in New York and alone. I think this is something that we could probably bring in for all characters um going forward. We don't necessarily need to have we don't need to learn about everybody's background so deeply as we did with, with Echo, but more of that would be a really smart way to kind of introduce new cultures. What, what I think would have been a better way to handle that, because I do like that Avatar thing where she's able to communicate because of her ancestry. She's able to communicate with some of her ancestors and kind of channel their their energy. I, but I don't like that she's able like to channel their energy technically. Yeah. I wish she could, you know, uh, meditate and maybe communicate with him. But again, this... I, I, or not again. I haven't said this yet. Uh, I don't want to infringe on anybody's culture or change their history in any way. I'm just saying if this happened to align with with what they believe, it would be cool for the show. Uh, but if if she could, uh, you know, speak to or communicate with her past lives or her ancestors and they would teach her. And so like how she was able to she was a great uh, marksman. Cool. She could shoot really good because one of her ancestors was a, a marksman or, you know, really good yeah. with a gun and, you know, certain skills that she could learn. That could be learned skills and not necessarily energy coming from her hands and doing like a force push or, or that kind of thing. You know, I think that would make it a little more practical and realistic. Yeah. And I don't know, just I think it would be a lot better that way. Yeah, that seemed to be that. And the pacing was a big common complaint about the show. The pacing was off mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, I think the first episode did really good, but this bogged down real hard. Um, mm-hmm. But nevertheless, let's go back to the news aspect of this real quick. You got a seven and a half, you said, out of ten on this. Yeah, I would do seven and a half. I'll go seven, seven on this as well. C, C plus ish um, yeah. for myself as well. But uh, we talked about recently how Marvel has basically restructured how they're going to be doing their TV shows going forward. Echo is the last of the old way where they're basically making a movie, cutting into pieces. And mm-hmm. now they're actually hiring showrunners and they're using show Bibles. And 
Daredevil Born Again is going to be the first one. Well, what happened was during the strikes, Kevin Feige took a time, took his time to watch what they had done already with Daredevil. He hated it and was like, no, 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 we're redoing a lot of this. One of the things that he he didn't like is off screen before the new season was going to start or the new show was going to start. Technically, they killed off Foggy and Karen, his best mm-hmm. friends. Right. And today or yesterday, technically, when we were recording this, um, he said, no, they're coming back. They're going to be back. It's going to be the old school way, just like before. And they're fighting against Kingpin, who's going to be mayor or running for mayor. Um, is this the first step into what we're hoping Marvel will be doing and listening to the fans and bringing back people we want? What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. I think if they can, like like you're saying, listen to to the fans and make fine, obviously write, write a big arcing story for your show. But when you hear that feedback, it's gold. It's invaluable. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you need. So take it and make the small adjustments as you go, if, if you can, without, you know, derailing your show. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that point of uh, not derailing your show, because I think there's a lot of entitlement in a lot of fan bases. Um, this is coming from Star Trek, a Star Trek fan that Star Trek Discovery is on this last season because the fans have willed it to die. Essentially, yeah. the, the true Trekkies who love Star Trek want this new, different Star Trek show to die. I kind of hope that Marvel doesn't listen to fans quite that well, you know? Yeah. What do you think about um, as some you're not much of a comic book reader, Kevin. And so what do you think about Marvel trying to balance being accurate to the comics, trying something new? Where is the importance in it for you? For me, as as you stated, as a non comic book guy, uh, I don't care if it's true to the comics or not. I, mm-hmm. I know that there is a, that I'm in the minority, especially when it comes to people probably listening to this show. A lot of them are probably comic book purists and there's nothing wrong with that either. I just I, I think that there is a place for new content with the same characters, especially like I've been watching a lot of The Simpsons lately and of, of like later Simpsons, new yeah. Simpsons, because yeah. my my two three month old daughter now, she's almost three months old, um, loves staring at The Simpsons because the colors Smart and the, the sounds. Right. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching a lot of Simpsons and I haven't watched it since I was a kid. And a lot of the the flashbacks from The Simpsons of like Marge and Homer in college and stuff take place in the 90s and the 2000s. Whereas when I was a kid, their flashbacks took place in the, the 70s and 80s and then yeah. in the 90s. Like it, it, it's it's kind of like that same style of retcon. Like it's they're the same characters just in these new circumstances and maybe have different abilities in the case of not being comic book accurate for all this Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I, I think that it, there's there's definitely a place for new stories with the same characters that we've known and, and loved all these decades, for sure. Yeah, and, I agree. And I think it's hard to make it where it doesn't conflict with anything from the comic books because we've seen plenty of cases where the comic books conflict with themselves yes, already. Absolutely. You know, they write, they have a whole run about, you know, a hero going the certain way. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, now we have a totally different story. That you know is even in the same timeline still. You know we didn't even write in a, a cheat <laughs> He's around a variant. it. It's just, yeah, he, he decided to you know go evil and stuff. It's like okay, well you can't just break it and expect people not to notice. But I mean, we're gonna have that same issue when we go into movies. You can't you can't be tied down to you know something that already has six hundred issues or you know a thousand issues written for it in the past. One of my my one of my New Year's resolutions. I I try to pick a geek resolution every year too. My geek resolution this year is to read one major star, uh, comic book storyline uh, per month. 
so that I'm kind of, it, it helps with the podcast and it's just good to kind of know. And the one I've picked for this one is uh, Superman All-Stars, which I knew the general plot of it, but now I'm actually reading it. The reason I picked it is because James Gunn is using that as his inspiration for the new Superman Legacy movie. Right out of the gun on this comic book, um, Superman finds out that he's going to die from a basically super cancer. It's a long story, but it's, it's super cancer. And he tells Lois Lane, hey, I'm Superman. And he has increased intelligence and you can see he's cold and he's hard and stuff like that. So if you were to be a purist and be like, well, I want that storyline. James Gunn's not going to kill Superman. He's not going to he's not going to start things off with something as hard as like, here's a new Superman. Now we're going to give him, you know, sun cancer and start the story. But the things that Superman learns in that story, when he proves what it is to be the pillar of humanity and, and what a Superman is, that's the part that he could pull from it. And I think that's what's important for Marvel to do, too, is like, why do people like Daredevil? Is it because he's this kid who's, you know, the, the boxer's son who was raised by a, a Catholic church where it's not the big church around you, but it's the small priest and nun that are taking care of you. That's the stuff that we love about Daredevil. Take those parts. You don't need to mimic the you know born again storyline directly. Just take the best parts of those characters. And I think listening to the fans, bringing back the fun, witty conversations between Foggy and Karen and bringing those back. I think that's kind of a, a first step in that right direction. Do, do you think with this series, they're going to start bringing in the other like kind of grounded characters they have to? I was at Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. and stuff. I would like to see, see that happen. Yeah. I think the only one that nobody cares about is iron fist, but I think he'll come with them. Uh, iron fist and Luke Cage are really a duo in the comics a lot. Um, but man, I'm a big Jessica Jones fan. And so I would love to see her come back. She's a highlight. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I, I, I threw it out there. I think it was through the challenge, except that one of the two, I, I run too many social media accounts, but what other super street level characters do you want brought into this new kind of universe? A lot of people are talking about, Spider-Man is street level for for the most part. And so he maybe was we street can... level. He's been elevated. Now he's leading the MCU. <laughs> yeah. He's the new he's Iron been Man. The space kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe he takes on like a young apprentice, but even then, I mean, he's going to be tied up with, you know, the big guys. If you play like the Spider-Man 2 video game, which if you've got to, it's such an amazing story, such an amazing game. Um hey. he feels very street level. There are times where the game comes to a halt and and you're very happy about this and you're just having a conversation with somebody on a bench in a park or you're helping um start a jazz museum with this woman like the small things like that and i think little pieces of like of that will if you, we could get that in the daredevil series or something like that will make him fighting in space feel more impactful because he's the kid from queens and not you know always fighting galactic problems that's kind of the problem with uh thor is he's untouchable now and it doesn't feel fun when he's having real human emotions because he doesn't deserve them yeah, I think the, I can see like a, Oh, no, good. I think the no, ending no. of No Way Home kind of made it so they set it up so he could be a street level hero again. Anyway, they kind of literally erased him yeah. <laughs> anything he's ever accomplished. So I, I, I think that he could easily in the MCU be that street level hero. Yeah, it's true. I think it'd be cool if they made a story where he like decides uh, he wants to make more like, he, you know, yeah, he's tied up with the the big guys, but he wants to make more Spider-Mans, you know, enlist other people to do what he's doing in their neighborhoods too. Mm -hmm. So he goes around and like finds people who he thinks are worthy and outfit them with a the gear and train them. And then he has like this team of Spider-Man. So when there is a big, you know, harder boss in the, in Queens or whatever, he can call together the Spidey team or something like yeah. that. But meanwhile, they're all taking care of the small problems in their own neck of the woods. That'd be kind of cool. Much part. like Batman, he does eventually build that family up you know, with Miles and mm -hmm. Spidey, um, 
Silk and stuff like that. There's a there is a group like that, and uh, that would be a really good movie, you're right? I think Miles Morales is going to be an injection into the Spider-Man world, into Marvel. He is such an amazing character, and as soon as he touches live action, holy cow, yeah, I mean, that's going to be big. That's going to be big. Who do you think could play him? Oh, oh that's boy, a great question. That is, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the age would work. It was like Donald Glover would be cool. <laughs> no, yeah, and he's now Prowler. Like they made him the actual MCU Prowler. Um, oh, okay. He's really kind of the inspiration. It's a long story, but basically, he's the inspiration for Miles Morales. Is because they? Oh, really? Yeah, because back in the Community days, it's a long story. But basically, back in Community, <laughs> people wanted him to play Spider Man when they're going to replace him for a new Spider Man, the Garfield Spider Man. And he's like, "Yeah, I want to be Spider Man too. That'd be great." And then there's a whole thing, you know, Twitter can be. And so, eventually, the comic book readers or writers were like, "Yeah, but he would be a good Spider Man. Let's make a Miles Morales inspired by him." And so it was this whole thing. It's so. Then Miles Morales is so popular, they made him part of the regular Marvel universe, not his own. And uh, and I think the MCU is going to follow suit and eventually bring him in. It has to be somebody young and joyful that will kind mm-hmm. of bring some levity back to Tom Holland's character, who's been through hell and back. <laughs> so yeah. somebody who's like, yeah, you've been to space, but, you know, I like Starbucks. <laughs> Something like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. From one massive franchise to another, let's talk about Star Wars. And... Uh, we got the announcement. We're getting a movie called The Mandalorian and Grogu. Uh, it sounds like this is the one that's going to conclude the Thrawn storyline, unite our friends and everybody that's in the Filoni universe. This kind of worries me in a way because I hate for them to call this shot right now a little bit, in my opinion, a little soon when Dave Filoni just got the reins to the Empire. And so I don't know if this means that he has bigger plans, more plans. And he needs to kind of settle this down a little bit so he can move on to that. Uh, what was your reaction to this, Kevin, when you heard about this new movie? I, I Excitement to begin with. John Favreau's uh, directing it. So that's yeah. always good for me when it comes to Star Wars specifically. But um, I don't think this is going to be the Dave Filoni verse. And like, I don't think this is going to be the end of the, the Mandalorian Ahsoka Thrawn thing. I think this is leading up to that still. Okay. That, that's my first thought. And that. Filoni is going to make his own movie still is probably what's going to happen. That'll lead to his new version of what the I almost said the MCU, what the the Star Wars universe is going to end up being after that. Do you I'm think excited. they're going to do you think they're going to make this basically heir to the Empire? I, I it could be, honestly, yeah, now that um, spoilers for the end of Ahsoka season one, but now mm-hmm. that Thrawn's back, it easily could be that for sure and i i would love to see that i would love to see more of what the those books had for thrawn in these live action movies and just uh, the excitement that i have for that and seeing the mandalorian and grogu face off against thrawn that version of thrawn if that's what's going to happen yeah that that's really exciting it sounds like it is because disney uh they announced it i think it was in december they're making a new comic book series. It's going to be retelling Zon's storyline um, all through comic book form. And so right, right away, I'm like, oh, 100% on board with that. That's going to be an easier way to, for- to read through it and really get the visuals of it. And mm-hmm. when Disney redoes something like that, it's like, oh, okay, because we're going to be using it soon. So we have to, you know, get that set. <laughs> um, with uh, the Mandalorian and Grogu, knowing how the Mandalorians work, are we setting up, do you guys think they're setting up Grogu to kind of rise above this and be a future leader of the star Wars universe. I kind of feel like the idea is that Mandalorian at some point is going to pass down everything he knows. And then Grogu's going to go off and Mando's going to die. Storytelling wise. What do you think? 
Yeah, I could see like a, a dramatic scene where, you know, they're in a major battle or whatever and the Mandalorian dies and, you know, he's he dies trying to save Grogu or give him one last, you know, chance to escape or something like that. I could totally see them doing it because like he, he's a Mandalorian. He's not eternal. He can't, you know, live on forever. He's he's uh, mortal like everyone else. Grogu, though, is, you know, almost ageless. So we know he can live on for hundreds of years. Uh, so I don't I honestly, though, I kind of feel like they created Grogu without having a plan for his long term story. I feel like it was like, we're going to make somebody who could sell some plush. And they didn't realize what kind of gas they were pouring on the fire. And all of a sudden, everyone fell in love with him. They're like, oh, well, we got to keep this guy around. We got to do more stuff with him. And so I don't know. I, I, there's no to me, there's no clear direction of where his character is going to go. Like we've seen I've seen online the pictures of him in armor and stuff right, like that. Like he might be a Mandalorian someday kind of thing and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of all up in the air. I, I could see him, you know, being a Jedi and forming a, the the council and all that stuff. But well, I don't know. On that, the other movie thing that they've got going on Star Wars is the new Ray. Yeah. movies i think there's movies coming after episodes after episode nine and daisy ridley's coming back to play ray um i am hoping that they're going to pull from the new jedi order book series for this but just replace luke skywalker with ray skywalker <laughs> i used yeah. air quotes there for you audio people and my, um, and, <laughs> and my blood immediately started boiling but go ahead yep Yep. And there's there's no way that Grogu wouldn't still be around for that. And if he doesn't totally forsake his Jedi past, like we have been led to believe he might, um, he, he could help Ray form the new Jedi Order and take on new in, new intergalactic uh, threats like the Yuuzhan Vong and stuff like that. Now that we know that intergalactic travel is possible yeah. in canon Star Wars, it's very possible the new Jedi Order series the villains from the books could come to the live action with Grogu fighting them off. I, I think you be kind cool. of explained what that, that storyline is like, what is the threat there? <laughs> well, I'm not going to explain much of the storyline because it's okay. like 30 books almost, but Jesus it's like Christ. 25 books. I think it's about 25. Books, oh, okay. But... Well then I'll jump in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the use in Vong. I don't know how to pronounce it because I've only ever seen it written. Um, yeah. They are uh, in the books. They were the first intergalactic threat. So they came from another galaxy where the force does not exist. So oh, Jedi wow. as the protector of the galaxy were useless against these guys because the force does not apply to them. So it was just this new threat that they had to adapt to. And I honestly don't know how it ended. <laughs> I'm guessing okay. I know they had books after that, like the legacy of the force series. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there was a Jedi hero that took over and you know found a new way to save everybody. But I'd love to see that in live action just to see Dave Filoni's version of that would be killer man <laughs> your simple description of that kind of blew my mind in one aspect i was thinking like well you know when they use the force force push and everything like they're pushing them with air i'm thinking like airbending an avatar kind of thing but no and, and there's midichlorians everywhere right but it's the midichlorians in their body that you're actually controlling that you're moving with the force and so yeah if these people come from somewhere else and they don't have midichlorians in their body then there's nothing to push against so that makes sense that's just it's crazy. John, try to prequel this story here. Give us the prequel definition of it. Um, <laughs> oh, I got a logic. Everything. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna yep. Well, I, I like that. The one of the things I like about how the Mandalorians are being treated nowadays with the Dave Filoni universe and the Mandalorian and Grogu is we're seeing that you don't have to be a Jedi to have a moral code that you follow. 
And mm-hmm. it feels like Jedi or Star Wars of old and, and kind of the old school fans, it's always been like, well, you're a Jedi or a Sith and everybody in between is just a scoundrel waiting to trade on you. And, um, or you're barely shambles of the rebel Alliance. Uh, but with the family and the tribe mentality that we see with the Mandalorian shows that like you could rely on each other. And even within the Mandalorians that we have, we're starting to see that they're starting to learn like it's okay if they don't wear a helmet kind of thing. Like, you know, we're getting a bit of that too. So if we do get your storyline and we have Grogu who's coming from both the Jedi and the Mandalorian side, we're going to have a better version of the Jedi's going forward. And maybe Rey can't do it on her own and she'll have a young Grogu there, young still to that point, really, uh, there to help her that will know more than just the force and actually use, you know, diplomacy or um, the, the small people that are just living in a village somewhere and not necessarily in a temple. You know, I think that would be really nice to incorporate. We still don't know where Grogu's people come from, right? No, no, and I hope I that's a question so. never yeah. answered. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like this. I mean, it doesn't have to be that there's a planet of thousands of them because that would be kind of weird. Like he's supposed to be very rare, but it'd be interesting if they would explain something about like where he comes from and why there's so few of them and some, you know, stuff like that. Well, we're talking about Star Wars. Let's go over to Star Trek. Uh, we have some amazing news, in my opinion. We're getting two new Star Trek movies in development. First off, Star Trek Four, which I already hear the Trekkies moaning. This is reconfirmation that Star Trek Four is coming with the Chris Pine crew. This is the Kelvin uh, timeline cast. And then they also announced that they're going to be doing a reboot. For, not a reboot, I would say an origin story for Star Trek. Kind of a Starfleet origin story. Which mm-hmm. is Enterprise in a lot of ways, but I think this is going to be more accept, uh, accessible to other people. Um, first off, let's, let's go Star Trek 4. Do we need to have that other movie to kind of... And they said this is the final chapter. Do we need a final chapter for this? What do you think, John? Honestly, I don't remember where they left off. I loved them all. I, you know, I know a lot of people hated them. I, I've liked everything Star Trek so far. Uh, and I get they have a very different feel. They're you know a lot more flashy and stuff than the original series and whatnot. But but yeah, I, I don't remember where it left off, but I'm happy to see another one. Yeah, what what do you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, I I agree. I I didn't love them, but I think that they were different and they were good. They were. I'm going to call it Star Trek 14 because to me, Star Trek four is the whale. Yeah. One of the whales, but so, sorry, uh, <laughs> which the I Voyage like that home. one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. The Voyage home. That's the one that I bought on Blu-ray. It's the only Star Trek movie that I own on Blu-ray now is Star Trek. The one with the whales is how I'll call it. <laughs> I, I kind of hope that they reference that because I know that there are enough people that watch lower decks that think like that, that, They'll see Star Trek four and they'll think that's the one with the whales. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. I, I kind of hope that they reference that or at least have citation uh, ops in there at some point or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I that was a long roundabout way of saying it, that. I I like the, the trilogy. They're fun action movies. They're fun Star Trek movies. They don't replace anything for me, but they are good standalone. And I'm I, I, I love Chris Pine. Like I'm Zachary Quinto. I. The, the, yeah. the, the whole cast is is top notch. I'm not going to argue that at all. So I'm here for another movie. I'll watch it. Do you feel like we have to keep hitting drums that we've already hit before, like using the Kirk, using even with Strange New Worlds? You know, do you think we have to keep doing that, or can we finally go to a post Picard Star Trek, or is that just not mainstream enough? Uh, I hope that they don't try to keep being as mainstream as they've been trying to be 
the problem with that was discovery didn't work outside of the Trekkie fandom. I don't think mm-hmm. there is a whole new flock of people coming to Star Trek based on what discovery did. So hitting the mainstream is probably their only way to try to get new, new people watching. Personally, I don't think going back to Kirk and even as much as I fucking adore strange new worlds, I don't think that yeah. having Captain Pike coming back and having his own show was the best move. I love the show and I want it to last forever because every episode has been just gold. But I I would have loved these exact same stories, probably with these exact same actors with totally different characters in a totally different Star Trek timeline, like not timeline, but era. I, yeah. I, I yeah, I heard that they are basically Patrick Stewart has announced unofficially that they're doing a Picard movie now, too. I also don't I have think not heard that. OK, I've been reading bits of that. I, it could be like a, a, a Jonathan re- watching a fake trailer sort of thing. I, I might have right. gotten fooled by that, <laughs> but I, I have heard that he's stated that they're working on a Picard movie in his Patrick Stewart way. But yeah, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think any of this is necessary. However, hearing about this prequel thing, depending on when it takes place, this other movie sounds very appealing to me. I'm actually excited. What details do you have about that? And, well, and that is going to be a movie or a series? The that origin is a story movie. One? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It basically sounds like, okay, we're going to button up the Chris Pine stuff. Let's start a new franchise of movies. And again, they're... they're I know people that are, that are not happy with those movies because they are too much Star Wars-y. But that's how you get people into it. They start to see that this, you know, uh, optimistic, futuristic show, which a lot of shows don't have that or movies have that. And then they could start joining us and all the cool stuff that we already have available for them. But this one will be directed by Toby Haynes. And um, most notably, the thing that's really great is that he worked on the Black Mirror episode called the USS Callister. Yeah. Which is a phenomenal episode. Yes, (laughs) it is. (laughs) Oh, man. So I'm thinking this can be amazing because, like, I I think if they do this right, this could pull in a lot of the mainstream because if you're doing a prequel series that takes place in, you know, our short term future, but you know, Star Trek past, it, you, it can be more, you know, grounded and nitty gritty. You'll have some, yeah. you know, Iron Man level technology maybe, or, or things like that. And it'll be them learning new technology. Maybe the transporter is barely being developed. And so there's a lot of failures and stuff. Cause we see in, in enterprise, it's, it's new technology for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it could be a whole political social drama you know there's it's a there's a lot they can do with it because yeah. it's you know primarily take place on earth and, and the vulcans then, are still kind of newish allies yeah, yeah yeah it could even be before first contact and that be you know the end of season oh, wow. one That's is really first yeah. contact with the vulcans you know that'd be pretty cool i would prefer it to be after enterprise but like you have a hundred years between enterprise and strange new worlds where nothing has touched mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i think if you kind of jump in the middle of that be 50 years everything could be brand new and i mean if you don't bring back to paul at least for one episode that's that's rude and you should just not do the show to begin with but um, i i I, I don't know i i want them to button up some enterprise stuff a little bit better than they did because that show the the ending of that show was very rushed they got canceled before they probably should have and man that show actually holds up a lot better than it did when it was new but if, if they want to keep their distance from that and do something brand new away from the original series, Strange New Worlds era, just kind of set it in the middle there, like in the early 23rd century and or like the late 22nd century, early 23rd century, just split the difference between those two eras and do something new. 
It's a, it's a yeah. great spot because that's when you're finding the identity of Starfleet. Yeah. When you're figuring out what do we represent and how willing are you to help others? Because that's one of the best things that I love about Starfleet is when they're showing somebody new that, hey, how we do things at Starfleet is that we put open the open hand and hope that we can, you know, build something together. And it always surprises the new person in the room. And so if we figure out when that policy came into place and kind of see that be built, which I know the Vulcans had a big thing on that, but like Klingons are a problem at this point in the timeline. And uh, trying to like, do we try to work with the Klingons and learning that there's a the Romulan border? We can out actually there. see the the Klingon war that they talked <laughs> about a lot in the original series. Uh, well, okay, that's true. There was the Klingon war that happened Discovery slash Strange New well, Worlds yeah. in Discovery. I don't count that. I want to see like an actual full on war. Discovery doesn't <laughs> count this, for that. Okay, it's Discovery just, like I'm Discovery just, doesn't count. Uh, no, no, no. I'm contradicting myself. Discovery uh, counts, and it's it's a, it's a good yeah. show. It's a good show, but. <laughs> I want to see like the yeah. full Klingon war, not just what Discovery showed us of the Klingon war. I forgot that Discovery took place in that time. That first. Just season yeah. one, right? Yeah, season one. one Remember two. how the Klingons looked all funky too, and then they had to change the yeah. way the Klingons looked again? <laughs> yeah. But they said, yeah, they said there's a certain reason why those ones were so different than everybody else though, right? They were like I don't think they gave an excuse like for those ones. They did for the TOS ones. Yeah. Which was oh, a blood okay. thing. Yeah, the yeah. Discovery ones, they were just like, makeup department. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think for the hardcore Star Trek fans, though, we're still waiting for that post-Picard one that has, you know, a new, I don't know if we call it Enterprise or whatever, but they will have Seven as our captain. And I would really like to see that because then that's bringing up that same problem that we had from before. We've, we're at a point now where Starfleet needs to rediscover what Starfleet's about. And um, they're kind of past the next generation where that flagship was, you know, going around and was not only introducing everybody to Starfleet, but was also taking out every corrupt by accident, every corrupt commander, stuff like that back at home base, too. I feel like every season there was another one of those on, on Next Generation. And it would be a really good time to kind of show like, hey, this is Starfleet now. Um, we're getting some of the bureaucracy down or something like that. That would be really nice to see a new five year mission, maybe. I think that would be really nice. And I think that might service both sides. So there's also the fact that so the end of Picard takes place at the very beginning of the 25th century, I believe. And okay. Starfleet okay. is trying to find itself again. But then you have, yeah. I think, like 700 years later, you have Discovery remaking the whole entire Federation from scratch again. So anything yeah. that happens in my mind, anything that happens before that doesn't count because Discovery redoes it later. Well, On we that that note, they get though. like wiped out, right? Well, that's the thing. There is a moment that I would love to see some Star Trek answering that too. a movie. Maybe if you wanted to make a post-apocalyptic Star Trek, make it to where there's that moment where all of warp is deleted. And they did so many strips. Of that's fair. That's true. They could tell a lot of stories in that. that they yeah. could, oh, my God. Yeah. If I you mean, had a we, ship that's like literally having to take years to get to <laughs> the Vulcan homeworld just to see, is there anybody still there? Right. You know, yeah. that would be fantastic. Just kind of like, you know, not to relate Star Trek with Star Wars, but like how we're talking about intergalactic travel. It could be that, you know, Star Trek, they're finally, you know, made peace within their galaxy for the most part. So they decide it's time to push out beyond our galaxy and see what else there is. And then they find a new big bad that, you know, has some kind of technology that destroys, you know, subspace in their entire galaxy or something like that. And that's what, you know, stops them from being able to travel in space. 8472, maybe. Yeah. Those guys. Oh, God. That'd be cool. Bring them back. That'd be pretty fun. I think in Discovery, Modern, uh, CGI. I think in Discovery, they did have to go to another galaxy. The last, I think it's yeah. the last season. They had to go to another galaxy to stop somebody from. It was like a mining 
ship oh, that was like right. it was oh, the big yeah. orb thing or yeah, something, like that, something right? like that maybe it wasn't even the last season maybe it's the season before <laughs> that i'm getting them kind of yeah. confused discovery's good discovery's, i just it's, it's good it's not bad it's just forgettable yeah, in a lot of ways exactly yeah you know. The actors are yeah. not forgettable. They're all phenomenal, but the 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 stories of the seasons for me are pretty forgettable. I'm the ship with emotions were just like, oh, okay, this is too <laughs> yeah. much even for me, and I'm they fully just, on board. Just take yeah. really big swings. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. kind of hard to keep up with. Yeah. Strange New Worlds, though. I every everything hits out of the park. And Picard oh, season yeah. three, folks. I mean, honestly, one and two, you know, they're serviceable. But Picard season three, I honestly think is some of the best things Star Trek's done in a long time. Full fan service, but I'm on board. I thought that should have been a movie. Honestly, I like doing it as a TV show is way too much filler for me. I didn't care for the whole season three. I liked the fan servicey shit, but just getting it as a movie and I can be like, yay, they did the thing for me and then not have to wait week to week (laughs) for a new episode of that. It was a bit of a letdown for me. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Because, yeah, when they they go up to the museum and. LaForge is there with the ship and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, some oh, of that carpeting. shit was cool, but like the whole yeah. who's behind the red door thing. It's like, it's the Borg, right? It's the Borg. It's the Borg, right? It's, always it's the, the Borg. Borg. It's like, yeah. yeah. Why couldn't it have been the Dominion? I mean, they, they had the changelings. Why couldn't it have That's been fair. the Dominion and have like a true follow up yeah. to Deep Space Nine? God damn it. I'm still pissed. I'm, I'm pissed about that. That's an option, too. Yeah, we could always be or, following up one of our old ones here. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Could the changelings not be assimilated and then we have a new type of Borg that's, you know, amazing it doesn't always have to be the board jonathan <laughs> always the board. Uh, i don't know i like it <laughs> that's one of my biggest so complaints with picard is that they just like we're hey we're gonna make a, a section of borg that are nice to us and never address them again because yeah. we don't want to piss people off if we do so there's there's that too i honestly and not to be mean i want those borgs annihilated because i want only <laughs> evil borgs yeah i just thought the borg no. are boring i said that last week borg are boring they're borging <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm still supporting all Borg. <laughs> I'm totally on board with it. Um, okay. And that's basically it for us this week. Uh, but ne- oh, uh, is there anything you guys want to bring to the table for us to discuss this week? That's not on the notes. Oh, actually, I did. I did go see a movie. It'd probably be my recommendation, too. But uh, I went and saw you guys are going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh hard. Uh, I saw Mean Girls. <laughs> Holy it was actually It was actually really good. My wife wanted to go oh, see it. Fetch. And if she wants to see a movie, I've told her before, any movie you want to see, We'll go see No Questions Asked because uh, I like going to the movies, period. She does not. So if it's on her radar, we're going to go check it out. It was really good. <laughs> I didn't think I would like it so much. I don't know if it was better than the first one or it's because I like the first one. It, it's just, I don't know. You just got to go watch it. I didn't even <laughs> know this thing existed crazy. until a guy at work mentioned it literally two days ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Is this the yeah, Barbie of 2024? The thing that's going to surprise us? Yeah. And it's and it is. I mean, it's a musical as much as like Aladdin or something like that. There's several songs within in the show, but their pacing is really good. The I don't know, the symbolism and stuff they use in it. That's just the whole thing. The casting was phenomenal. It was just all around good movie. Yeah. Nice. Still to watch it. I know you guys are going to watch it. I'll eventually watch it. I'm sure I will. I haven't even seen, you haven't seen the first one. The original, Actually, so. I, I, I quite oh, like man. the first one. The first one's a pretty decent yeah. movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Oh my! And this Top one, Gun I think or, this one was or, or direct- Mean Girls? Which should I watch? Top Gun or Mean Girls? <laughs> I say Mean Girls. Oh shit! I, I actually Gun. agree. I, I agree with Mean directed Girls. Directed by Tina Fey, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I love she's the director she's in producer. Yeah, yeah, I know she's a producer. Of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I think mean Girls is the same Mean Girls or Top Gun? I love it. Watch both and then review them against each other. Challenge accepted. It is. Yep. Kevin, you got anything you want to bring to the table? Uh, I think that's the perfect way to end the episode, honestly. You got it? Okay, cool. 
Uh, all right, guys. So next week we're gonna do a top five. We haven't done top five in a while, but we're gonna be doing one top five per uh, per month. And so I thought I would have it out here to see if anybody's got any ideas for top fives. We've done a lot of them, so I'm cool with repeating them because we are gonna start removing some of those first episodes. And so I'll put it out there. What should we do for top five? You want to do Star Trek, Star Wars? We could do anything like that. Any ideas? Uh, so I think a top five uh based on specific actors like if you want to say top five like this is a, a no-brainer but tom hanks movies we did that or one, leo yeah. dicaprio yeah. movies you say it's like a no-brainer but i i don't know that would be a that'd be a very well, good top five it's a really good actor so it'll you'll make a, a a list pretty fast you'll probably make a list of 20 and then narrow it down from yeah, there yeah. but you know if you pick like a really lesser known actor and then do a top five on their movies then you kind of got to dig through the weeds and find some you haven't seen yet and watch you know three four movies you've never seen to pick out what's their best i think that'd be pretty that'd be a pretty cool conversation make me like the borg give me a top five borg episodes oh yeah i'm on board with that totally too. That's good you're on board well. yeah. with that i'm on board with that <laughs> um let's see we have i think we have squeaks next week we have jolton next week i think kevin is off we're recording on a friday so i don't know if we're gonna yeah have i won't week. be here yeah. yeah um the other thing too is we have mad max coming out soon which i am very hyped for so I kind of want to do like uh, top five um, practical effects movies, stuff like that. Ooh, so we could yeah. just talk about like big stunt movies or something like that would be kind of fun too. Yeah. So I think we'll do one of those two. Cool. So which of those should we do? Should we do top five Borg, top five stunt movies, or uh, top five and then we pick an actor? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think stunt movies would be a good one. You want to do that? Yeah. Leading us to I'm, Mad I'm Max. Our... Yeah. And then we, we would, you know try to pick movies that have that mad max vibe that's what you mean water world stunt movies right it's yeah like, I'll, I'll find yeah. them yeah but yeah yeah we'll, we'll okay. find the right title for it but that'll be what we do okay yeah okay. all right guys so join us next week for top five probably what we're gonna call it stunt movies because i'm not gonna think about this over the week <laughs> <laughs> what i want you guys to do is drop it over on threads on instagram even twitter i do check that every so often um and let's see what your guys's top fives are and then we're gonna discuss it on the next week episode all right guys take it easy and have a good one Bye. Bye.